This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. We're really grateful for this community that has stuck with us through this intense 8 journey. It's meant a lot. If you'd like to support us by donating to our podcast, at the end of every episode's show notes, there's a link. If you click that, it'll take you right to our donation page. So please consider doing that, and thanks again. Okay. All right. Well, welcome back to part two of the Enneagram 8 special podcast. This one is very surface. Would you rather deal with someone who is dumb and wrong or someone who is inefficient and lazy? Dumb and wrong. (laughs) I think I'd be nicer to them. Yes. Right. Because they're dumb. At least they're not inefficient. And they're not pushing my buttons. Like the right. I'd feel protective or... over them, actually. I think I'd be like, oh, you poor dumb thing. You don't even know better. You poor little idiot. Listen, if you're inefficient, you better just get out of the way. Yeah. And then uh, I'd feel really good about myself. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'd become a monster to the other kind of person. Yes. Like, what yeah. is your problem? Yeah. Why are you slow? Okay. Why is your best friend your best friend? Because I can be fully me. And that's safe. And not only is it safe, but it's loved, it's valued. So the parts of me that I've become used to other people shying away from, she values most. Yeah. And she's clearly, right? Yes. Like she's clearly. And the things I love about me most, she loves about awesome. me most. Uh-huh. Yeah. I care a lot about being able to be me completely and fully. And usually yeah. I've got to tailor myself or edit myself for almost every other human on the planet. But in, in the cases where I would consider them my closest friends, I'm about as close to being the me that I fully am yeah. as I can be because they give me space for that. Do you, do you think that's like your four shining out? It's probably eight as well because I think yeah. um, with eight, it would be energetically. We don't want to have to hold back our energy. Mm-hmm. Four, I don't want to hold back my essential self. Yes. And I want to be able to express my deepest thoughts, even if they'd scare someone else. Mm -hmm. I I want to. And, you know, there's a lot of words that I spend, so they have to be patient. (laughs) And then the seven means they'll come along with me. They're yes people. Yeah. That combination, that triple threat going on, Mm -hmm. the people that I'm closest to can hold those three things. Yeah. To some extent. Erin, why is your best friend your best friend? I would echo a lot of what Joe said. Like, I I think there's just something about feeling safe to be who I am without hesitation. Mm -hmm. But it's also someone who believes and sees the best in me, even Mm -hmm. when I'm not in the right. They still believe the best in me. It really is that they believe the best in me. So Mm -hmm. because I'm very aware of when people... I want to say shame me. They don't shame me, but the like looking down on like, oh, you just think of you. Right. And that that is so far from the truth and so far from who I am. But I do get what uh, I want. That is the 873 tri type. Yeah. Um, And I'm always going to figure out a way to get what I want. But it's not a it's not in a selfish, it's a like that that's the only self-pres way I know how to handle life. Like it is the only way I get what I need is when I know what I need and I go after it, regardless. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it to take other people down. I look for like a path and I just dodge the obstacles to get what I need. So a lot of the time people see that as me being selfish and just doing what I want. My best friend doesn't see that. She completely understands my heart. Mm -hmm. And knows that in order to survive, 
I have to meet those particular needs. And she celebrates that the way I do it. Right. She celebrates that I can get there and make those things happen while making sure I'm caring well for others in the same breath. And she understands I'm doing both. I see the theme, right? Between both of your answers, it's people see you for real, for who you are, and they love that. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's right. And and they might not love every part. Like what I, the same friend, she very carefully pointed out selfishness in a certain area, but at the same time she goes, but you are the least selfish person I know in Uh this whole other area. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a sober ability to hold all the parts and to name them. And love you through any one of them. Not condemn Mm -hmm. you for having that. Not at all. But love everything about you even when, yeah. And that's, I agree. What um, numbers are your best friends? Two, seven. Isn't that odd? Two. <laughs> that, I have I have a couple of really close friends, like seven, nine. The last couple, I'm not going to lie, the last few years have been hard and it's changed some of the friendships and I feel not truly appreciated or seen for who I am through some of my closest friendships. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that I do believe their heart is to love me and mm-hmm. believe the best in me. It's just... Some people, like my friend who's a seven, feels the same feelings a lot of the time as a lot of mine. Mm-hmm. So she understands on a level that's just maybe not achievable by I should friends. actually point out, too, that for all of you wondering, Erin and I transcend that to the point where we're actually like sisters. That's what I would say. Like, it doesn't even fit. Like, it no. didn't occur to me to put your name no. down because the reality is it's like, no, You're- we're actually doing life at the same. very yeah. entwined yes and so it I don't even go to her to meet my needs she just knows it's already mm. yeah yeah so it's really weird my friend the two she pointed that out the last time we all three hung together she's like something has happened between the- <laughs> <laughs> you guys are next level I don't know you're like mind reading doing stuff <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, in case you're wondering, Erin's not hurt that I didn't name her and I'm not hurt yeah. she didn't name me because oh, no. it doesn't even fit that category. No. Yeah. No. So that actually, that is one thing I really appreciate about the eights, right? That we're like, oh yeah, no, that didn't even register that, uh-huh. right? Like the, the twos listening are like, oh my gosh, they literally, they're like doing this podcast together and they didn't even say their best friend is eight because then it would be the other person and they're feeling really so hurt right now. Oh my gosh. I'm so uncomfortable and we're like what no no we weren't talking about that that's fine Uh we're fine (laughs) yeah love it eights are not super offended easily we i think we're hurt easily but we're not offended easily yes that is for sure in your body where do you feel anger happiness and love (laughs) my chest it's all three for me it's my upper chest Okay. Like I'm a dragon or something. I don't know. I always put my hand there. Yeah. She knows me. They, they yes. would picture me putting my hand yep. right below my collarbone. Yep. Um, yep. Is, is this resonating? No. So I like when I asked the question, I was doing this to myself. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Yes. Like I can feel the ache climb up into my throat and mm-hmm. go from there. But it's weird. It doesn't start lower down. It's right in my chest. For me, it, anger is lower. Anger is my stomach, and then it goes out to my like fingertips, up my arms, yeah, or down my arms to my fingertips, into my head. Like it radiates kind of from the waist up everywhere. Mm-hmm. When I'm when I'm hurt feeling, yeah, it's all the top of my chest and into my neck, my face. Yeah, or, yeah. I wonder if it means I'm disconnected from my gut 
because I don't ever feel anything from gut, from low. Really? Yeah, but I've heard people say that, that they'll like put a hand on their belly and they'll say they feel it in that area. And my stress is all in my stomach. Every time Mm -hmm. I feel stress, and my husband knows now when I'm deep breathing, like with my stomach and I am loud about it. He's like, what is going on? (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) To the point where I don't notice I do it, but it is my like coping mechanism to de-stress. It's in my stomach. I'm trying to breathe it out. Hmm. Everything is above my, like your mid. Yeah. From my chest up. That's it. Someone tell me what that means. (laughs) Yeah. The reason that I was thinking about this question is because we really do feel like we physically feel things and I think for people who are maybe not wired that way they're like wait what (laughs) it's like oh no it's there is a physical like either heat or electricity or that it is like you cannot ignore how strong it is in your Mm -hmm. body no and it's frustrating at times too because it's overpowering so I sometimes I need to like step back from it to say okay what is going on why before I say anything, I need to think. And I think this actually has a lot to do with the strength of the feelings that that are created in our bodies come out of our face, right? So (laughs) that's a very eight thing, right? Like, (laughs) you can see whether we're verbalizing it to you or not, or whatever level we're getting it out. But like, sorry, I was gonna say, I think that's actually a really good point about eights, because we feel it all in our body, but we also project it out of our body, and people feel it. (laughs) from our bodies. Right. I don't know if we have the same degree of facial expression, though, because our eights with five. Yeah, right. It's the energy. So Mm -hmm. I would say like, if if we're gonna say it more generally, it's that people feel how we're feeling. And I don't mean empathetically, I mean, the energy. Right. Yeah. So I call it hot or cold or Mm -hmm. or neutral. But there is um, a cold energy that might be our scariest energy, believe it or not. It's not hot one. It's when we get cold. And that scared me most about my mom when she went cold. But the hot, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's okay, we're still having a relationship. That's fine. We kind of like that. But right. the cold, oh, the cold. Someone said to me recently, a friend we had had um, had to talk some stuff through, and she said, you, you're withdrawn from me and our friendship, and she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And then she said, my biggest fear is you'll be indifferent. Mm. I definitely think we could become indifferent when we don't care anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like the survival, especially when we've been hurt. Yep, right. I mean, because we know that like with love and anger and hate, those are all still signs that you have a relationship. Yes. For us, when we cross the line into you are dead to me or you are, you're not dead to me. You are an acquaintance. You are no longer, you're not coming within four levels of me. You cannot come into my space. So I would even say that it doesn't even have to be that. For me, it was just recognizing in a in an unsafe time in the world for my family who was safe and not. And when I didn't know if this particular person was safe or not, mm-hmm. I took myself out. And I, I believe the best in this person because she's one of the most important people for me. But I had to, in survival mode, move yep. away, right? So it wasn't, she was dead to me and I love her dearly. And it broke my heart to hear her say, my biggest fear is you're indifferent. And I had to promise her, like, I, I'm not indifferent. I am in trauma. I am trying to survive right now. So in doing the surviving, I have to withdraw from many people for many reasons. So that was probably one of the first times, though, that I have withdrawn with someone I love. 
and not felt that indifference or not felt that you're dead to me. Mm -hmm. What we're describing is that eight function of cutting off your heart. Yeah. And so when people feel cold, it's that we've put the wall up on our heart. And I actually now know what I was pointing to. I was pointing to my heart. And I am a very heart E8. I am more heart than I once had a pastor say, you're the heart of our church. You're the heart. And I didn't really understand what that meant, but I do now. I'm actually much less gut than Aaron. Aaron has way more gut intuition. I am all heart, which is why I hurt so bad. Like Mm -hmm. I hurt so big. And when people feel the cut off, they will have had to have caused either little traumas for a very long time. Mm-hmm. or they will have had to cause such a major trauma, but I don't do it easily. I want to give my heart to people like a puppy. Like, So I'm going to back this up for a second because I think it's really important to say this, is that I think for us eights, it's okay to recognize also, and this is what I learned this season, that boundaries are really important. And sometimes it doesn't mean you're cutting people out, but it's okay to set a boundary and withdraw without the anger, without the hurt, without the just recognizing what is serving me today and is it in my best interest or or whatnot to have this and to withdraw. Because I think we as eights, it is a it's a dead energy thing and it's a it comes from a place of negativity. And I think sometimes we need to utilize that space in a place of health. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, for you saying that particularly, right? Like you said that you spent a lot of time ignoring the whole aspect of self prez for you and it resulting in physical health issues for you, right? Like you're ignoring the need for taking care of yourself in a certain way. And I think when we are all confronted in a certain way, we have to back up and sort of like, that's that five, right? Where we pull in a little bit. And like you said, it doesn't have to be negative. It's like, I I have to put up a fence. I got to like breathe here. And I just, I just wanted to put that in because I think we, in a lot of the eight conversations, it's uh, the walls go up in a negative space. And I think mm-hmm. that we, like, and that's just maturing, right? Like I'm learning to take care of myself and it, it is actually coming out sometimes in the same way I do it in a negative way, but the entire environment around it is very different. Mm-hmm. I can hear my mom saying, because when I'd feel her go cold, I'd panic because there's mm. nothing I hated more than to be cut off a little bit from the person I cared most about. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember her saying, oh, no, no, you need me to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> this is me protecting you from the dragon yeah. fire, right? Yes. And so it didn't last long. It never did. You know, like at most it's a day, but it's her containing herself. There's that yeah. term again, containing herself for our sake and for mm-hmm. her sake so she can get herself in order. And yeah, just, yeah taking that time to, to write ourselves. It might have very little to do with the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really helpful for people who who are listening, who are not eights, who feel that that cold or that closed off or like when we go into the cave, just respect the line a little bit so that we can have a few minutes or however long it takes. But we'll come back. Like if you're, if you're our people, we will, we'll come back out and figure it out, but we need a minute. Wave a magic wand. (laughs) One huge problem is eradicated from the planet. What is the problem you pick to fix? I think if I was to wave a magic wand, everyone would have compassion for every other human on this planet, wherever they're at. That we would all have the ability to 
believe the best in each other despite the fact that we may not be in the same place at the same time with the same thoughts and feelings about something but recognizing that we are all humans who need humans Mm -hmm. there's my big picture yeah (laughs) the seven-ish bent would be that people would be curious about other people I find that is a, a driving force in me is like curiosity and it's the amounts to the same thing it comes from a place of uh, not being siloed into yourself and to people like you. It would be, I wonder why they do that. Or I wonder, so I'm a proponent of handing really yummy food out the window to homeless people. And what is happening in my heart is I'm going, oh, I wonder what landed you here. I wonder what that journey was. How- yeah. I don't even care if you're going to spend it on alcohol. That is not my concern. My concern is how did you get here? To really like look someone in the eye and just wonder. And if we all wondered without telling the story in our head, like making up a narrative about the person, Mm -hmm. which to me is false assumption, which I hate that. And when it's done to me, and I hate when I do it to other people, what solves it is to actually ask questions. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast this morning. I think his name is Ed Myler. <laughs> he is by far the biggest Enneagram three I've ever listened to in my life. And he scares me a little bit, but <laughs> he had on a guest who said, you cannot be curious and be selfish. And while I don't totally agree with the statement, I think there's a lot of truth to it. I think he said, when we are being curious, we are humbled. Right. Because you're not making assumptions. About- you're not making assumptions that your your mind is open. But when we're right. curious, we're we're less selfish, more or less. Is what well, kind saying. of the, yeah, the definition of pride would be that you are the archetype and other people need to line up with you. Whereas humility is like kind of a it's just not assuming an e- eager to look outward yeah. at other people. So you're, mm-hmm. you're just one of many. And- yeah. And I think too, when you we do see like a homeless person or a person in an awful uh, situation, it's like, you know, except but by the grace of God, there go I right, like that could be me too. You know, yeah, but did, did you feel that way when you were younger and in your truest form of your eight? I was very sure of what I was very sure of. And I think that is an eight thing. Yeah, uh, we're pretty confident. We know what we know until we don't know. Right. Right. And I think the maturity is, is getting to a place where again, we can get curious and stop assuming that what we think is right is the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that Enneagram kind of did for Aaron and I is basically, I think every type before they understand truly that we're all different, they assume that the thing that comes most natural to them comes most naturally to other people. If it doesn't, that's the problem. Yes. So you go set about trying to teach people to do that thing that comes naturally to you. So I remember being like very insistent that just be brave, like toughen up. It's better to be <laughs> courageous or it's better to just say the thing that you're thinking and mm-hmm. be open with each other. But that came naturally to me. And so it's easy for me to say. Yes. And, you know, a two would feel the same way about meeting needs and serving and making but that's the that's why I'm asking, like, were you more black and white? Oh, for sure. Yes. So that's there's no yeah. doubt, right? And I think it's in- blind. It was yes. more like I was blind. Yes. I just didn't know that other people were actually made to function differently and that the world was better because of that. But mm-hmm. I don't even think we needed Enneagram to see that. I think we just needed a curious mind. Yeah. One of the things that I discuss with my clients is because I I bring in personality, right? Because it helps me to understand them and to serve them better is that we can cognitively understand that everybody thinks differently, but the way that we behave and the way that we respond to people 
is that we really believe that other people are thinking the same way that we're thinking. Right. And we're confused or bothered or thrown off yes. when they respond to us in a way that we're like, what? That, that, this response makes no sense. Yes. Yes. Right. So we haven't fully cannot. taken it in. We haven't right. really taken it in. But once we do, I mean, that's a very powerful. Oh, yeah. It's been huge. <laughs> yeah. What is something you think is normal, but nobody else does? Peanut butter and sour cream and onion chips and jam on a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect that. I'm going to tell you for sure. I did not expect that. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Yeah. You nailed that one. That's my childhood favorite sandwich. And I still to this day love it. Okay. Wait. Peanut butter. Peanut butter and jam. Okay, peanut with sour okay. cream and onion chips on it. But the trick is, we used to do them at the beach all the time. You can't put the chips on until you're ready to eat it, or they go soggy. soggy. But then it gives this like really nice crunch in the middle of your sandwich. It's you have to try it. <laughs> peanut butter and jam, sour cream and onion oh, chips. Oh wow, wow! <laughs> now I just don't even know where to go with that. Yeah, that's not the direction I would have taken that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect that. Okay, so what about you? I would have said something about my intensity. I, it's just for me, like yeah. <laughs> that I think is normal is really not normal Uh and I only just learned that about three years ago so (laughs) I have to recalibrate my depth meter (laughs) so that I'm aware of the lack of normalcy Um, but yeah that's nothing new you guys know all that (laughs) what is your first eight-ish memory like what is the first thing that you can rewind to be like oh that was me little eighting over there so my mom will deny this, but I have a vivid memory of being social services can't come for you at three years <laughs> later, right? <laughs> nope, we're fine. Making sure anyway, that, uh, if anyone is listening from social services, you need to turn this off now. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> we're fine. And anyway, we have like a whole army of eights, so they don't right. want to do that anyway. It's all good. Um, they, I have a vivid memory of being, I probably was not even three my dad was away at university when my parents were, when I was little for a few years. So he would come home on the weekends, but during mm-hmm. the week, it was just my mom and my brother and I, and my brother was, he was so young that I do remember him being asleep in an infant, some sort of infant seat in front of me on the couch. And I remember my mom saying, I'm just going to go get milk. And the, the corner store was at, you know, like less than a kilometer away. I, and my mom still denies this. But anyways, I remember my mom saying, I'm just going to get milk. And me saying, like, I'm fine. Like, I can totally take care of Dana, my little brother. Like, I can do this. I got this. <laughs> and he just slept. And I sat and watched TV. And my mom came back really fast. But I remember knowing I could handle it. I can babysit. I'm I three. Babysit. What do you yeah. mean? Exactly. I got okay. this. And I have one more. This is a good one. And this one my parents will collaborate with. So this really did happen. I didn't dream it just in case the other one was a dream. (laughs) (laughs) When I was four, we lived in this like little project development. And there was like a kind of a busy road outside of the street. And then when you cross that, there was a corner store. And I remember my mom was on the phone talking to one of her friends. And I really wanted to go to the corner store. So I kept pestering her and pestering her. I think I actually was three at the time. And I just remember being so frustrated that she wouldn't get off the phone. So I decided to take it upon myself to go to the store by myself. So I went to the corner store and I remember putting a pack of gum on the counter and the guy looking at me and saying, are, like, are you allowed to be here? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you need money for that. 
So I was sorry. I said, oh. And I remember walking back home. My mom was still on the phone. So I marched up to their bedroom, went to the change jar, grabbed a handful of change, <laughs> and walked back to the store. And I dropped the whole handful on the counter. And the guy did not give me a dot, like a single piece of change back. And I would have no. had well more than the gum was worth. And I knew it. And I knew that he was being unfair by not giving me some change and counting out the right amount. But I couldn't do it because I was three. And so then I went home and then my parents asked why I got the gum in my room. And then I got in a lot of trouble. (laughs) I was like, what's the problem? I totally handled this twice. (laughs) If I could just count change, then I'm sure you wouldn't even be upset at all. Okay. But I know that you were, yeah. So I have a memory. Well, it's a whole bunch of memories, but it's this overwhelming sense that I led a mob of feral children in my neighborhood on not normal games. Like we're talking tag that had to be done by jumping on people's roofs. Like we had to jump from roof to roof to roof. So I was ahead of the trend of like the floor is lava. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Me, all of the neighborhood was lava, except if you would, if you could trespass and go on people's roofs and fences. And these are like kids that were timid kids, like by nature weren't into this kind of thing, but I still convinced them that, it wasn't worth playing a game unless it involved that ramped up level. level of physicality. Yeah. So that was very normal. And that was, you know, like a daily occurrence. And then the other also, don't call CAS, <laughs> <laughs> is that, remember, we were talking about how the worst thing for me is to feel trapped. My little brother was a six and there's a sticky quality to sixes, <laughs> like a dog on a bone quality to sixes. Mm-hmm that makes me feel quite trapped sometimes. And he exercised that full force as a little kid. And so the only way I could get rid of him was to be very physical. (laughs) So there was a lot of shoving him sideways into prickly bushes. (laughs) Yeah, like a lot of physicality involved in keeping that kid away from me. And there were yeah, a few people in my life that I just I had no other way to cope but to like put physical distance. So I exerted my eight force on them in a way that I don't think your average person would do. I feel that so much like you saying that like all of your stories are like bringing up all the stories but my my brother's two years younger than I am and we had a rose bush like on (laughs) the corner of the porch right so like three steps you know little but rose bush just like right at the corner and I was four and he was two and I was like bet you can't jump over it he landed right in the rose bush (laughs) and my mom was like what did you do and I was like what's his problem Like, like you gotta have like there's a little bit level of danger and I made my little brother jump in a rose bush. So oh, I mean, well. you know, win win, but that's spot on for true, eight. Right. Yeah, true to take. Yeah. Name an awesome quote and a lame quote. I know that there's a lot of people that like how do you say your name? Brene Brown. Brown, Brown yep. I yeah. I throw <laughs> I I'm like, is that a joke? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I know. Sorry. Not really. Sorry. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Start right off the bat saying that the four tacked on to my eight means that I reject all other people's words. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) This is why I don't put signs in my house. Like I'm going to put someone else's words in my house. Yes. I I honestly have no quote in my head. I value the face to face conversation I've had with a real person in my life who knows me and who I know. That is not your quote. I don't pay any attention to quotes. You know what my least favorite is? What? Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> okay. 
everything that was a- crazy because it is yeah. so stupid. Not yeah. everything is so simple as happy wife, happy life. Like, okay, I thought of a quote I like. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Just do it by Nike. <laughs> yeah. My other one is this too shall pass. <laughs> I like that one. I wouldn't put I- it in my house, but I say it to myself often when I'm in those like really horrible eight moments of feeling the feelings. It's like, it's okay. You can feel mm-hmm. the this too shall pass do you know your love language yeah yeah for me it's physical touch first Mm -hmm. and words of affirmation second and by affirmation the word affirmation makes me want to puke what I would would rewrite that as is words that express the fact that they genuinely know me so when someone says something that I don't advertise that I don't put out there overtly and they nailed it and they say something about me I thought was you know not uh level one visibility Mm -hmm. I feel so loved (laughs) yeah um so literally right so you said when you're upset the thing that you want is a bear hug and someone to speak truth to you there you go there you go yeah right so full circle on that one okay Aaron what's your love language Uh, my love language is complicated because I use all the love languages and almost equally. So I find it really difficult to pick one. If I'm upset, I need physical touch. If I'm feeling insecure, I need words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. When you buy me a, buy me something, I a hundred percent feel loved. And I grew up in a home that used all of them regularly. Mm. So I think it's hard for me to really pick. And I feel loved every day by the acts of kindness. My husband does little tiny things that I can't tell you what my love language is. I actually don't think I have one love language. I I have different, just to complicate things, depending on the need I have at the moment, it's a different love language that meets my need. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to being my husband. (laughs) He's like, which Aaron do we have with us today, honey? (laughs) Last time you told me you need this. I just did what you told me to. It's different today. This is a different minute. What is a question you wish people would ask you? <laughs> Do you want to know what came to my head? Which is hilarious because it's the last question I want people to ask me. <laughs> the first thing that came to my head is, are you okay? And I think yes! that's the worst possible question that I want to answer. Like I yes. never, I never want to answer that. Hey, Aaron, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. It gives me an opportunity <laughs> to talk about me and all, <laughs> the, things, all the things. It's like, oh, I know what my question is. Okay, go. It's, go, go. can you help me? That's on it's, brand for it's you. It's not me asking. It's someone saying to me, can you help yeah. me? Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. For me, it would definitely be what's God doing these days? Like what? Mm. what is God saying to you these days? Because yeah. that's what I want to talk about most, always. But nobody wants to talk about it. They don't value that like I do. So I talk about him anyway. My closest friendships involve people that want to talk about what he's up to. I think we should make it a practice of asking people who are close to us that question. Like, what do you wish people would ask you? That's a good point. Because there are a lot of, th- and, and especially with eights, even though we do have, we have that armor, but we're like, we got some squishy going on in there. If somebody asks you a direct question, I mean, 99% of the time, you're really going to get an answer. 
Oh, for sure. Yes. But when it's a question like, how can I help you? I feel loved by it. And I cannot answer that. But if Mm. someone were to say to me, I'm going to help you regardless. Uh So tell me what it is that would best benefit you. I will I can do that. Otherwise, I will get them off the hook every time. It's good. Good. I'm fine. You don't need to help me. I'm good. I've got this. Mm -hmm. But if you say I'm coming in anyways, whether you like it or not, yeah. So it's going to be what my way it? or it can be your way. Do you want to be in control of how right. I help you? <laughs> so yeah. what can I do? Where do you need me the most? That mm-hmm. would be the most taking it off my plate to feel that vulnerable piece of like saying I need help. Because when someone says, can I help you? Saying yes feels so vulnerable and I hate yeah. it and weak. Yeah. So when you take that off my plate and I don't have to answer that part, I can mm-hmm. go right into, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think typically I go, no, I don't need help. Like, yes, that's I think, why yeah. I'm saying when you skip that part yeah. and say, I'm here regardless, I'm coming in. How could I be useful? So yeah. what is it, where's the best place to utilize me? Yes. Yes. That I think is probably huge across the board for all eights, right? Because we don't want to be the ones being helped. And yet at the same time, we really do deep down. Oh, there, yeah. Right? Because right? you're the one doing everything. You're You're holding up the fort, right? And you're looking around like... Don't these lame people realize that I'm doing everything? Like, how do how do how are people not coming alongside of me and to do this? When I stop, and this happened to me recently with one of my closest friends, I didn't have the capacity anymore, and I I took myself out. And she, instead of stepping in and stepping up, she felt me withdraw, and her <laughs> dialogue was, "You don't want me anymore." Ah, right. Hmm. And my inner dialogue was why does nobody right. feel I'm worth it to step up yeah. for? Yeah. Why aren't you going after me? Right? Yeah. yeah. Why aren't you going after me? She doesn't know how to do that. That's not yeah. her. That's not her skill set. And, right. and it was, you know, I took myself out of a place that I always controlled without communicating why or how what was going on. Yeah. With me. And so in her mind, it was like, Oh, you don't want me anymore. And that mm. was so not the point. What I wanted was her to come fight for me. Yes and say, it's worth me reaching out, it's worth me organizing it. But and now that I've had that, now that we've had that conversation, she she definitely is doing that, right? But Mm -hmm. it's just I think we long to be initiated with Mm-hmm. We, even for self-protection reasons, we go first to kind of change the narrative that in our head that we're worried that no one will come get us. So we just make sure they don't have an opportunity yes. to prove us right. 100%. And then when they don't come get us, because something like this happens where she's thinking, because when we f- remove ourselves, everyone feels it, right? Yes. You the gaping hole. You want someone to come after you because... Well, and then when they don't come after us, we justify it as we were right they're not going to come after us, right? When Mm. it's not necessarily that. I could justify it to myself by saying, see, I took myself out and they didn't bother to come after me. So they Mm -hmm. don't want me either. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. It's just the story, right? If you were famous, what would you want to be famous for besides an awesome podcast? Well, in my kitchen, on a regular basis, I would really like to be a famous singer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, In practical thinking of being on stage in front of everyone, I do not want to be a famous singer. You don't want to be But I really, really do. I do dream of the time I could like do karaoke somewhere and everybody be like wowed by my voice. That would be actually good. Yeah. (laughs) That would be really great. Just once. I don't want to be famous at all. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly love the idea. You know where you play out funeral services and it's your funeral and you kind of like. (laughs) No, I do not know that. (laughs) No, I know that. Yes. Uh huh. Keep going. I I care about what the people who love me how they thought I impacted them. Like all I really want 
is for people to go, she really, she added something important to my life. She made me think about things that I wouldn't have thought about. She made me more me. And I would like to be known for starting a movement that shifts some sort of area of crisis in this world that makes a tangible difference in many, many people's lives by creating Mm -hmm. some sort of organization, something like that. But you would do it high profile with name and logo. I would want to do it one person at a time. So someday I'd learn that this connection led to this, led to this. And Mm -hmm. I'd be so satisfied to know that I had that impact that was deep, organic grassroots. Mm -hmm. I do not like the idea of having any kind of public... And so for me, the thing for me would be the idea that the public notoriety caused the system to grow bigger. Therefore, X amount more people were touched on a personal level. It does Mm -hmm. come back to the person per person. I don't need to be the person like you do with that person, but I need to know that I've made an impact on individuals. I don't want to start an organization to make piles of money and just for something of nonsense like or, or a product. Like I want to impact humans one by one but i want to impact 101 people at a time (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's the social Yeah. yeah for sure absolutely that's it for today we hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor would you rather fly an f-16 or pedal a canoe down a river canoe (laughs) in your house socks shoes barefoot shoes barefoot okay massage or hundred dollar gift card massage massage physical touch baby physical touch best ragey song hey remember my blind spot for other people's words (laughs) yeah they're like they don't matter because they didn't originate inside here it's not even the lyrics that do it it's the feeling it puts in me and so there's certain music and it's always indie and it's always weird and like that makes me feel really like powerful what's the song that says rat i'm just a rat in a cage oh yeah yeah who sings that um despite all my rage i'm still I'm just a rat in a cage yes nirvana like right now there's people like falling over <laughs> in their chair like how do they not know this unfollowed <laughs> blah if you could hug anyone dead or alive right now who would it be we're not gonna say jesus are we um <laughs> you don't have no jesus is out of the equation of who you get to hug because already joe is hugging jesus i want to hug my mom yeah. And mine would definitely be my step-grandfather who died when I was 16. And that is a person who saw me. What is your go-to breakfast? Oh, I love like the highest fat yogurt you can find. So there's this brand that's 11% fat. I freaking love it. And it has to be plain. I don't like additives. And then if it's peach season, I chop up a fresh peach, oh, dump it in, and I could have that all day. That sounds amazing. A smoothie, blueberries, bananas, peanut butter. You with the peanut butter. I know. <laughs> Do you put chips in that smoothie? Or? <laughs> no, no chips in the smoothie. That's it. And ice. Would you rather punch a bad politician and get rid of them or ensure a good one is elected? That is really tough. I would ensure a good one is elected. The bigger cause supersedes my need for like instant gratification for a month. <laughs> Uh, It's not worth the fist pain. (laughs) Okay. Favorite show? Mine is absolutely Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Okay. It's because I have watched the show so many times and I don't like being in silence. And my sister and I do this both. We have Gilmore Girls playing in the background all the time because it feels like (laughs) 
they're someone's there talking to you and hanging out well it feels like I'm just hanging out with my family or my friends and it's ridiculous and I I can do like genuinely do two things at once because I know every episode like I know all the words I know I know all of it so I don't have to pay attention it's top chef (laughs) and this is very I think it's sx in the sense that when they're making food I'm tasting it in my body And the four is that it's very beautiful. Uh huh. And I can't handle a lot of darkness. And so it has to be something that's light. I would say that's true. Yeah. I used to love dark stuff. And since having children, I'm out. Like I can't do it anymore. So yeah. I'm, yeah. and I feel like right now we live in a dark world. Yeah. So I need light and fluffy. And maybe that's yeah. like for girls or is my. Are your nails painted right now? No, but that's because I just <laughs> picked it off because I can't yeah. leave it alone. I can't. just pick and pick and pick. Literally. As we sat through this, I can't sit still. So because we're sitting, because we need to be near the voice recorder, <laughs> I have picked all my nail polish off my toes, <laughs> and I have one hand left. Okay, so just to be honest, since I was sitting on the floor earlier, I was looking at my toenails, and I was like, I need to pick this off. And I restrained. I was like, no, you have to sit still. Sit still. Focus, focus, focus. Favorite condiment? Aioli. With fresh garlic, garlic it's got to be the grainy Dijon salt and pepper, and oh, it's I, kind of a staple. I, I'm gonna just jump on that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty amazing. Babies or teenagers? Teenager man, babies are so vulnerable. As much as I love the physicality of a little yeah. baby clinging to you all the time, I don't like that they are so vulnerable. Whereas a teenager, I'm like, yes, like I can oh empower my gosh. you. I feel and- exactly the opposite. <laughs> 100%. I feel like I have the power to potentially make or break my teenagers with how I parent them. And a baby, as long as I'm meeting their physical needs, physical needs. loving them up, I don't have to think through all the like brain stuff. And because I'm so big picture, I literally go through the dialogue in my head. My daughter has a new boyfriend and like I can go from oh my gosh, my daughter has a new boyfriend to, oh my gosh, they're going to get married. What if he is a deadbeat and never gets a job? Okay, at least we own a company. My husband, wow. him. it doesn't matter if he is a deadbeat worker. He's working for our company. So our daughter has a, you know, some sort of person who's bringing in an income into her home, like in, in two seconds, that's where my Wait, head goes. And then I got to solve all the problems. How old's your daughter again? 16. Yeah, okay, that's reasonable. So, you know what, Joe, your answer with the babies or teenagers, the other aspect, I think, for the sexual intensity is that babies need more of your immediate time. Yes. You can't just be like, I'm going to go to the store, go make your lunch, and I'll come back and talk to you later. Exactly. My kiddos um, are really independent really early. You know the teach a man to fish? Good heavens, I live by that. Figure it out. Yeah, but the, I think the foreign me can hold the pain and angst of teenagehood oh, really quite quite well. It's basically if I can picture them left in a room alone, a baby's got nothing. Yeah. Whereas a teenager in a room, I feel like I've equipped them. I've given them all sorts of tools to be able to deal with oh, all so the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And my thing is all about me meeting their needs. I can meet the needs of a baby really easily. <laughs> I'm not convinced I can meet the needs of my teenagers all the time. What percent? Of the things you think in your head, do you say out loud? I don't hold back. Like, I think, Joe, you're way more guarded. And I just say it, and then I regret it. It's the, like, what the fuck are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) 
Those and you say it out loud. Too effing tired for this. It usually involves the word fuck. Let's be honest. <laughs> Those stay in my head a lot. So after this episode, I think, please put out a survey question yeah. uh, about that. Because I think that's very, that's very eight. I only say I'd say 10%. And that is not because of my editing. Because it's not about editing. It's that I think so many <laughs> things so many things and it's like a deep well of things and the reality is nobody cares like so <laughs> i triage yeah. and i say the thing that needs to and be said i would say that i say all the things out loud because i don't know what i feel <laughs> till i say all the things out loud and then i say oh, oh. That's external processing. Yeah, so that's yeah. yeah. Whereas four is all deep inside. <laughs> and so we have to really, you know, make sure the world isn't overwhelmed by our maelstrom of thoughts and feelings. But the, the dark brooding oh, over totally. the, the, the state whereas, of the world. Whereas I pretty much think all my thoughts are really useful, helpful. To- <laughs> Like, why wouldn't everyone want to hear my constant narrative? Hello, world. I don't know. About a year ago, one of my friends was going through some really hard stuff with her kid. And I was immediately like, here's how to solve this. Here's how you whatever, whatever. And it was like silence back. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I I like just wrote, I'm so sorry. (laughs) What I meant to say was, I love you. I'm here for you. Can I help you? you? Oops. I just wanted to fix it real quick and then we could deal with your emotions after that. I have very much enjoyed (laughs) sitting on this side and hearing from you guys. You're good at this. I mean, I have like hundreds of questions. You know, I came up with like (laughs) 21 and 12 in like five minutes of prep yesterday. Go live your life. Go live your life. (laughs) All right, you guys. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Karen. Bye.